We're back, everybody. I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this is Procrastination Planet. Where we should be writing, but... So today we are going to talk about our favorite fictional sidekicks. I also cheated a little bit and included a couple of best friend characters. Oh, nice. But first, we need to get some housekeeping out of the way. Remember, if you like our show and you catch us on either Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, please remember to give us a five-star rating and a review. You have to do both. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, we're not twisting your arm or sticking a rusty screwdriver to your throat or anything like that. But it would be nice if you did the both of those things. Because doing both of those things helps to push us up the charts and get us discovered. Stitcher is a little bit of a pain in the ass, but the good news is you don't have to log in with an email and a password, but you do have to go on your laptop in order to find them. Just scroll down until you get to where all the reviews are and then click the little link that says write a review and input the five-star rating and the review. Doesn't have to be a dissertation, just a quick Hey, great work. Hey, you guys are funny. Hey, you're welcome. That sort of thing. Anything else, Sabrina? Okay. Um, I see how it's pretty easy to rate us on iTunes, but when I quickly logged on to Stitcher, I didn't see how to do it there. Yeah, that's why I said you have to do it through the browser. You have to go on your... Like on a regular computer. Yeah. And so every time we know that someone's done Stitcher, we know that they've put in extra effort. Mm -hmm. So shout out to those guys. Definitely shout out. I'm working on a Patreon for us. I'm trying to think of different kinds of bonus, like bonus episodes, nifty rewards that are easy to deliver. I don't want to do anything that's way too complicated and hard to deliver on. Because some things sound really good on paper, but then you're like, oh, wait, that's a promise I can't fulfill. And I don't want to be that person. But we're coming up with stuff that will be worth your time, worth your money, and even worth a shout out. But yeah, we're looking at... Like bonus audio footage, maybe some bonus video footage, but we'll let you know when it's up and running. Uh, That'll be fun. Maybe a love letter in the mail. Yeah. Ooh, love letters. Oh, God. We got to get a P.O. box now because I don't want people to think that they can stalk us. Okay. If they have our address. That would be creepy. That's a great point. Yeah. Google stalking is fine. I mean, you'll get bored with us, but whatever. Although if you Google stalk our podcast, that would mean more hits for our website. And that's always a good thing. So stalk away. Exactly. Just don't real life stalk us because... That's frightening. Yeah, it's creepy. Please don't be creepy. We have to go to work. Yeah, we have to have a life. I have to be able to live my life. (laughs) Okay, I think we've blathered on long enough. Let's get to our episode. Woohoo, sidekicks. Yeah. Do you want to start it off? I will start it off. When you say sidekicks, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Sean and Gus. Oh my God, Gus. From Psych. Gus is on my list. And the thing is, the reason why I love this duo is Gus doesn't even act like a sidekick. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're, they're both these equal partners who are both equally funny. And, but without the other, they'd be lost. Oh, I know. They're very yin and yang. Yes, exactly. So I don't... Sometimes I watch episodes, it's like, is Sean Gus's sidekick or is Gus Sean's sidekick? I can't decide. Mm -hmm. I just know that they're soulmates and it works. They were on your list as well? Yeah. Gus was definitely on mine. What did you like about him being a sidekick? I like that he's the, um, the smarter friend. Yeah. I mean, Sean is very observant. So he has his smarts kind of in the street smarts sort of way. Yeah. 
But Gus is kind of the book smart one, and he's also... Common sense. Yeah. Quite logical and whatnot. And I like his super sniffer, the very strong sense of smell. That's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I totally identify with that. You have a strong... Yeah. Yeah, I'm very sensitive to smells. Like... There is nothing worse than when someone wears a perfume that you hate. Oh, I know. Yeah. And there are just things where, I mean, in the case of Gus, his super sniffer has managed to solve crimes. <laughs> like when the one lady was wearing, um, was it White Shoulders perfume? It smelled like gardenias and he noticed the smell of gardenias somewhere else. And he's like, oh, wait. And then he solved a case because of that. White shoulders, that's a throwback right there. Mm-hmm. I remember that was like the fragrance to have. In- I'm totally showing my age. We're totally showing both of our ages here. <laughs> but you know what? It's like if someone has a scent that, and I'm not fragrance shaming. This is not a shaming thing. Don't at us. You can fix the fragrance thing. You might not be able to fix a body odor thing because maybe you have a medical condition or something like that. Doesn't mean I have to like the smell of it or anything like that, but I'll probably cut you more of a break. But with fragrance... You can fix that. mm -hmm, You can choose not to put that shit on. I one time had to ask someone not to wear a particular fragrance again because I was getting physically nauseated. She would always come in and I don't, I don't know what it was. It's like, I even smelled it on the paperwork she would pass out. Whoa, did she ever uh, tell you what it was? She was like, it's not perfume. Because I'd asked her once, I'm like, can you do me a favor and not wear that perfume again? It's like I'm getting headaches and I'm, I get physically ill from it. And she acted like I was telling her she had an ugly baby or something. And it's like, you can choose not to wear a fragrance. It's not like I'm telling you that you're ugly or you're fat or you're too skinny or whatever. I'm not telling you things you can't fix. So it definitely was a fragrance. She was putting it it's like, on. It's not a perfume. And it's like... I don't know what that smell is. I don't know if it's your body wash or your laundry detergent or what, but please don't wear it again. (laughs) Someone else from the group came over and she's like, I guess I'm going to have to sit with you. She doesn't like how I smell. I apparently smell bad. I'm like, it's not personal. It's not something you can't fix. It's like um, safety and health trump etiquette. I'm not going to pretend that your fragrance is okay when I'm getting physically ill from it. Like, I got literally nauseated to my stomach. That's a strong scent, then. Yeah. Gut instinct. Was it a body spray, or you think it could have been a detergent or something? I don't know if it was a body spray or a detergent or deodorant. Wow. I don't know. But you can choose a fragrance. Yeah. That is something fixable. So if anyone's telling me that I'm shaming a person... Fuck you. So you had a sniffer like Gus. Yeah, I had a I had a Gus, a Burton Guster super sniffer. Nice. I think they were the ultimate sidekicks. As soon as we were talking about doing this episode, they're the first two people that came into my mind. Mm-hmm. And normally I don't like the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. As much as I believe in better living through chemistry, because sometimes your medications are what you need to get you through the day. Well, I'm not going to go on to the pharma industry rant because... We'll be here all night. I know, and that is not the scope of this episode or our podcast. I don't hold it against him for being a pharmaceutical rep. As far as that background, it comes in very handy when he identifies poisons, and that also helps to solve cases. And I kind of like that he's evolved over time as well. Yes. He used to be someone who was kind of dragged into Sean's schemes... But now he's more, he's more active. He's more active in the group, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of the straight man to Sean's goofball. 
But in a strange way, he's his own kind of funny, too, because he's really super snarky. Yes. And I love his deadpan delivery. (laughs) I've heard it both ways. No, you haven't, Sean. That's one of those things I use in real life now. If I mispronounce something or if I misspell something. Yes. I'd be like, I've heard it both ways. I've seen it both ways. No, you haven't, Sean. (laughs) I'll answer back to myself. No, you haven't, Sean. Some people get it. Some people don't. You know who you are. Exactly. So, yeah, I think we got a lot of material out of... Sean and Gus. I know. <laughs> I gotta miss that show. USA really did great programming. Mm-hmm. They came out with some great characters. Oh my god! I need to go back and watch some psych reruns. Yeah. Talk about comfort viewing. Why did I not include that in the comfort episode? Um, I believe I saw it, or I may have referenced it, but you didn't get around to it, and I might may have put it on the back burner. Did you ever go back and watch their Christmas special? Which one? They had It came out like Christmas. last year. Oh, I haven't done that Post, one. Post um, series finale. Mm. They came back for, for an additional Christmas special. Okay. I don't know if I have that sitting on the DVR somewhere or if I've seen it and forgotten. If it's on your DVR, I need to come over. Yeah. That could be a Patreon bonus episode too. For Christmas. Psych special. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm going to go with Dr. Elizabeth Mac McMillan from Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. The lady doctor? I'm thinking of Miss Fisher's murder mysteries. I just think of her and the cute detective. There's a lady doctor? Yeah, there's a lady doctor. She's sometimes a pathologist. She dresses in a lot of menswear. She was in the first episode helping out with the girl who'd gotten a botched abortion. Oh, that's ringing a bell. Yeah. So what is it about her? Is she funny? Is she the straight guy to Miss Fisher? Well, she's kind of a mentor to Miss Fisher. Okay. So she's... um. I don't know if I would call her, if she's quite a Watson, okay. but she's the more sensible, serious side, but also she, in her own way, is totally unconventional as well. They're both unconventional, but in different ways. Like, Franny still is wildly feminine. Yes. But at the same time, she is very free with her sexuality, and she's not just waiting around for a guy. She has her own agency. And Mac is someone who... She's a lesbian, but she's um, she keeps it on the down low. Miss Maples? No. Sorry. No. Miss Fisher's a lesbian? No. Doctor N- Mac. The doctor. The doctor's a lesbian. Yes, okay. the doctor's a lesbian. That was revealed in, in a particular episode. Because a suspect, I think, she was involved with the suspect in the past. Oh, wow. And she doesn't subscribe to traditional femininity. So she is... Like she's in a in the medical profession, something that wasn't encouraged for women unless they're going to become nurses. So in some ways, they're kind of um, yin and yang. I think it's been a while since they've been airing the different episodes. Maybe that's why you're not yes, all caught up. I just googled her. I don't even remember seeing her in. Well, she's not on as often as Dot. Okay. But I. Or there's a chance I haven't uh, gotten past season one. Yeah, I've seen. Um, Seasons two, possibly three. Oh, okay. I've, I haven't gone that far. Yeah. I just love the way Miss Fisher dresses. Oh, I know. God, her wardrobe and her cheekbones are everything. Right. Oh, man. So the doctor. Yeah, she's she kind of acts as a pathologist as well later on. Like she's able to determine cause of death and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And she's someone that um, Franny bounces ideas off of as well, especially if you're trying to figure out how someone died. And of course, that that is extremely handy when you're a detective to have someone who can figure out cause of death. And that way you can see if someone's alibi holds up. Yeah. It's good to have a smart character around. 
Oh, yeah. And Franny is very intelligent in her own right. But Mac is sort of, um, that's her nickname, Mac for Macmillan. Yeah, she's um, definitely on the book smart, very educated end of the spectrum. And Franny, I think, um, I think she's had some education. I don't remember all of her backstory, but she hasn't had a university education or the kind of education required to be a capital P professional. Um, I seem to remember, isn't her story like she married into money, he died, or... You know, I don't remember that one exactly. I would have to look that up. Because I, when I think of Miss um, Fisher, I just think of her being sort of like a party girl. And she runs into these scenarios where she solves mysteries, almost like Murder, She Wrote. And yeah. then when I watch the episodes, I just kind of root for her and the detective. Because <laughs> he's like really boring and granola, whereas she's really eccentric. And I think together they could balance each other out. Oh, yeah. Hey, maybe I can look this up. Friday do you like Fisher. how I asked you if Miss Marples was a lesbian? And had nothing to do with the TV show you were talking about. I know. Uninformed you, opinion. <laughs> had you come back to me with a yes, and uh, didn't you see it in the subtext? God, I should have said that. that I'm like blown my mind. I'm like, Agatha Christie, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I should have said, did you look into Agatha Christie's secret life? Which would be nothing like that. But... <laughs> I would just totally lead Sabrina down a completely wrong rabbit hole. I would end up on those Agatha Christie boards, chat rooms. Like, do you know what I know now? And Oh, my God. Could you imagine all those Christie fans? You have no idea what you're talking about. I, actually, my podcast partner told me for a fact, and then there were none. <laughs> you were looking up something about Miss Marbles before yeah, I Yeah, and I'm you. not, I don't want to spend the Miss episode. Miss Fisher, why do Ms. I keep... Miss Fisher, the fuck? wrong with you fuck miss marples yeah <laughs> goodness do you watch miss marples by chance <laughs> i haven't gotten around to miss marple okay uh, the only thing i like about her as a detective is that halfway through cracking the case everyone stops and eats has sandwiches and stuff <laughs> she's the only like pi that i know that's like okay are tea you time are you in between snacks i'm in between snacks it's totally that's probably why you're thinking of miss marple that's because probably i'm thinking about miss marples yeah the cozy mysteries make you hungry because yeah. in some of these cozy mysteries they have like recipes in the back of the book yes. and, and whatnot those recipes mm -hmm. i could have a scone right now <laughs> with whipped cream but we're talking about sidekicks and you mentioned my next one um earlier watson Watson! Sherlock Holmes. Yay! But I'm going to say something controversial here. Okay. Out of all the Watsons, I think the one who embodies the goofiness and everything, the human version of Watson the most, is the Watson opposite Benedict Cumberbatch. The modern day Watson is my favorite, followed closely by Jude Law. Do you have a preference? Do I have a preference? Um, I haven't watched all of Elementary, but I did manage to get a hold of um, the first season. And I like Lucy Liu. There is no elementary. It doesn't exist. Shut up! Elementary exists in my timeline. Godfather Part 3 does not. Um, elementary probably exists in that alternate universe like Godfather 3. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, CBS is make-believe. There's no such network. <laughs> wow. You dunked on a whole network. <laughs> because here's the thing. So is he British in the CBS version? He's British, but he's um, an expatriate. And Lucy Liu's Watson is kind of his sober companion. Okay. So he's an expat living in America, not paying taxes. <laughs> okay, are we... Are you getting into some anti-immigration fuck shit now? No, it's just... What's, what's that guy's name? His face bothers me. Johnny Lee Miller. Okay. 
Because okay, that now we're getting to the real shit here. Like I liked him at nineteen. I think he peaked at twenty-two. <laughs> Haven't been interested in him since he pushed thirty. <laughs> but he's just one of those guys. It's kind of like the prom queen. It's like, yeah, she was pretty in high school. Then you know she popped up a couple of kids. You don't want to look at her anymore. <laughs> and that's Johnny Lee Miller. It's like, yeah, you were hot. Angelina married you. Then she slightly upgraded. She got, <laughs> he turned 23 and she upgraded. Yeah, she, he turned 23 and she's like, like you Menudo, know what? you're over 16. <laughs> you gotta exactly rotate in a new band happened. member. Because Johnny Lee Miller. I almost spit water out of my nose. When he did <laughs> Hackers, he was like 19 and you just thought he was going to take over the world. Then he hit about 24 and it was done, dude. Hit the wall, man. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, this idea that women age like milk and men age like wine, that is absolute bullshit. A lot of regular-ass men do not age well. They age like guacamole. Genetics is a fickle bitch. You just never know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. The only difference is men are allowed to age. Yeah. And fuck that shit. (sighs) Oh, by the way, you're allowed to have Sam Elliott. Okay. Because my old guy, Uh I like Patrick Stewart. Now, that would be my old guy. You know why he never picked up on my radar? He's a little on the petite side. Mm. But he is good looking. Yeah. Intelligent. Just has everything going and for him. And he stayed in good shape. Yes, he did, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what? It's, it's all those years of watching him sitting in a wheelchair for X-Men. You gotta... He is not Xavier. <laughs> so you get that out of your head. You get the, He's not really Picard either. He's mm-hmm. actually a great character actor. Yeah. But, you know, poor Johnny Lee Miller. Bless his heart. Did you see any of that? Everything I'm talking about, all the superficial bullshit I just threw at you. Did you see it when you watched that TV show? I was never, I was never into him that way. I just liked the, um, I liked the alternate telling of the Sherlock canon. Oh. I thought that was interesting. And I did like the fact that Watson could be a woman. Gotcha. And Lucy Liu is flawless. I just love her. I'm not allowed to like her. Why not? (laughs) I'm not allowed to like her. Because as an Asian Pacific woman, she made some derogatory comments about Asian Pacifics. Mm. And so my friends won't let me like her anymore. She said it on David Letterman. And oh, it oh. was so... I did not know that. Okay, here's the thing. So in Asian culture, there are certain things that you say that you shouldn't say in public. And she said it. And um, if okay, let's say she said it on a Hong Kong Kong TV show, I would have let it go. But she said it on David Letterman in the middle of America. You can't say stuff like that. So she had gone to on vacation like the Bahamas or something. And she's I think she's Chinese mm-hmm. or mixed with Chinese and something else. And then she's like, oh yeah, I had a tan. Then I had to show up for principal photography. And Letterman was like. So what happened? She goes, I, I was out in the sun too much. I showed up on set. I looked like a Filipino. Oh! And the thing is, you if you grow up in the culture, you know exactly what she means. Oh, I... But it's fucked up to say it. I've heard that kind of thing. Yes! Um, there's a guy I follow on Facebook, um, Love Life of an Asian Guy, and he's Filipino, and he talks about how how certain Asians, like Koreans, Japanese, Chinese, will dunk on so-called jungle Asians. Yes. And so there's like a lot of, um, Ali Wong did a thing about that too. Like she and her husband, like, I think he's Japanese and I think she's Chinese and Vietnamese and he's Japanese and something else. And she's like, we're both half fancy Asian, half jungle Asian. Yeah. So there's kind of like this sort of rift in the 
Now, I'm not the one saying fancy Asian jungle Asian. I'm just quoting from yeah. commentary about that. But the fact, okay, so why would that be okay for her to say on Hong Kong TV versus... Because they say that everywhere across the Asian But that Pacific. doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay, but it's fucked up, and it's not going to leave for at least another generation or so. Okay, so it's okay to say fucked up shit if someone doesn't uncover it it's okay to beat your wife behind closed doors if no, <laughs> no, one... no 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 it's it, it's bad across the board like recently on our um gosh should i get personal fuck it i'll just throw the story out there so we just recently had a miss south pacific pageant mm-hmm. and the girl who won was beautiful but for the first time in years a dark complected woman won and while she was getting her tiara people started yelling out monkey from Ew. the audience. And so she dealt with that the entire year. Oh, my and God. And so she had to give up her crown um, this past weekend and give it to the new winner. She actually got to the podium and gave a speech about, you know what, cyberbullying and the ridiculous um, beliefs that we hold about women, it has to stop. They booed her off the stage and everything. Oh, that is terrible. Yeah, colorism is... It's crazy, right? Yeah. But, oh, yeah, that's a come. So, long story short, my friends won't let me root for Lucy Liu. Even though I kind of root for her, but she has her moments. They actually haven't asked her about it since. I think she's addressed it once in an interview, and she's like, oh, I, it was something I totally flipped. I didn't really know what I was talking about, or something like that. Okay, I'll have to see. Yeah. But it was on David Letterman. Yeah, Jeez. that was... Mm. I'll have to see what her reply to that is. If it's one of those, I'm sorry you got offended. I kind think of it was things, something then, like that. Ew, that's <laughs> gross. It could, because we all fuck up and say shit that's problematic, but it's like, own up to it. Just be like, you know what? That was a shitty thing I said. I should not have said that. Yeah. Oh, so you brought up problematic Watson. I brought up the best Watson. Oh, you know what? Have you seen Without a Clue with Michael Caine? That sounds so familiar. Is it a movie or a show? It's a movie. It was done in the 80s. Okay. Um, Was it Ben Kingsley who was Watson? But the whole thing was Watson was the brains of the operation and Sherlock was just the face. Oh. And he played like the total dumbass kind of Sherlock. To Ben Kingsley's Watson. I would watch that. That was a pretty fun one. It's kind of... it's an artifact of its time. Yeah. It has that 80s cheese veneer Uh, to it. Okay. Which I think kind of makes that a little bit better. <laughs> I kind of low-key love 80s cheese. Oh, dude. The cheesiness without the problematic fuck shit. Exactly. That, I'm looking for that. We have to make our own shitty 80s movie. Something, but like good 80s, like before 1985. Yeah, like on the cusp of the 70s where people still had like the puffy down jackets and the stringy hair. Oh, yeah. The stringy hair 80s. Like freaks uh. and geeks. Yes, Freaks and Geeks. That was a perfect time. Never ending story. I think that's more mid eighties. Ah, I think it was like eighty four, eighty five. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna look this up. Oh. And oh, ooh, okay. Ooh. Never ending story. What uh-huh. year was it? Never ending. Okay, how fast can I thumb type without fat fingering here? I see it, but I'll wait for you to see it. Okay, never ending story. Come on, my phone is slow. Eighty four. Ha! Okay, that's on the cusp of the mid '80s. That's not early <laughs> that's '80s. <on> the cusp. <laughs> that's not. That's not early. Early. Oh goodness! <laughs> Do you have any awesome sidekicks to mention? Yes, but let me turn on the fan because now it's getting hot in here again. I don't feel it yet. I feel it. Maybe I'm getting early menopause or some shit. My apologies for the whirring. You will no doubt hear in the background. 
Okay, what is next on my list? I'm gonna go with Sam Axe from Burn Notice. I'm Bruce Campbell's to... character. Oh, yes, I am The Hawaiian him. shirts, the mojitos. That's a leading man. No matter the <laughs> world, no matter the time. No matter what his role, Bruce Campbell is leading man material. Exactly. I love Bruce Campbell. He's the hero. Bruce Campbell forever. Exactly. But that character of Sam, that's a good call for Bernie Oh, yeah. Others. He's yeah. such a smartass. I love him. So that's another USA Network show that we're bringing up to talk about sidekicks, mm-hmm. which means they're just creating character development and camaraderie between their characters. Mm-hmm. Well, they were. I, I don't think I've picked up a new USA Network TV series in a while. Neither have I. Not since Suits. I need to get back into um, Stranger Things. Finished season three. I binged it. And also, I need to start on Sabrina, the, the teeny, the Adventures of the New Sabrina. I finished both seasons. Ooh. Loved it. I'm gonna have to do that. I haven't been catching up with TV lately. What did I just finish that was worth it? Have I binged any? T- I'm on season two of Dark. Mm. But I think I might drop it because all the characters are blending in. But they did something that I think shows should never do. Don't take a two to three year hiatus. Um, That's I, a bad thing to do. I have ADD. If you go away for six months, it's fine. If you go away eh, for a year, I can catch up. Anything more than that, we got to reintroduce ourselves to each other. Yeah, it's kind of easy to forget you after a while. Yeah. The only show that was able to go away for two years and I still remembered every morsel was Game of Thrones. But that was that was something different. So what was it about Sam that drew you? You just loved Burn Notice since from when I first met you. Oh, I was always hardcore into that show. Except yes. for the last... The last season? Yeah, I felt like they were just trying to artificially extend it. And I got bored. Gotcha. Oh, so you think they could have ended the final season with, with fewer episodes than what they did? Yeah, they could have ended it the previous season. Okay, well, I think they needed to hit syndication. Yeah. They could have done it in five or six. Bruce Campbell has to pay a mortgage. Come on. This is true. <laughs> as long as Bruce Campbell got paid. Mm-hmm. But Sam Axe, I love the fact that he's... He kind of comes off on your first impression as just this lazy, washed up, kind of drunken dumbass. Mm-hmm. But he's super good in a fight still. He has his Navy SEAL training behind him. He can still beat you up in a fight. And he's a lot smarter than he comes off as. Which is actually really a good tactic, because if you play dumb, people underestimate you, and then they end up putting their guard down, yeah. and sometimes giving away secrets and whatnot, because they think you're too stupid to remember. Oh. Didn't he end up double-crossing them? Well, at the beginning, he was um, the FBI had him informing on Michael, because they were holding his pension hostage. Ah, that's right. So, yeah, now I get it. They're messing with Sam's pension. Of course he's going to... Mm-hmm. I think they dropped that arc after a while. Nice. Because he, he kind of gave them some other intel for um, in exchange for leaving Michael alone. Ah, okay. So it wasn't like a total double cross down the line or something like that. I love the fact that um, Chuck Finley is his eternal ID. <laughs> Chuck Finley is forever. Like, no matter what disguise or what cover he uses, he's always Chuck Finley. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Sam X forever. And Bruce Campbell forever. There's a, I don't think there's a show that Bruce Campbell can come out in that I wouldn't want to watch. Mm-hmm. He's like a national treasure. That's exactly. what it is. Have you read Confessions of a B-Movie Actor? No. That's his autobiography. <gasps> I have that on the shelf to your right. Why would he ever refer to himself as a B-Film actor? Because he was... 
Because he was mostly in B-movies. That was the thing. It wasn't as an insult. He was proud of his B-movie What were the B-movies? Damn near all of them. Don't say those horror films were a B-film. Those are masterpieces. <laughs> I know, I know. Let's not label shame. I wasn't I, label shaming. I've got to borrow that book and read it. That's awesome. I didn't know he did an autobiography. Yeah. And um, my next sidekick, I don't know if you know her. My next sidekick is Lucille from The Walking Dead. Oh, she is a bat. She's a bat covered in barbed wire. <laughs> so that's her best friend. Yes. Sabrina's best friend that is would be Lucille. My, that would be my best friend in the apocalypse. <laughs> so we have um, Negan, who has created this little compound. And everyone listens to him because he holds the bat. And the thing about this inanimate object, I think uh, we haven't seen an origin story for the bat. I believe this baseball bat is what got him out of whatever situation was about to kill him. And he named it after his wife so that he could never, ever forget her. So... The only other time that I've seen an inanimate object play such an important role in a film or television show other than Lucille is Wilson um, from the Tom Hanks film, which name eludes me right now. I don't know if she was a volleyball. Castaway. Castaway. I don't know if she was a volleyball or a soccer ball, but that's what Wilson was. And Lucille, even though she's an inanimate object, some of the main characters on Walking Dead exited the stage because they hmm. made contact with her <laughs> so i love how you phrase it so euphemistically <laughs> they exited the stage because they made contact with her <laughs> not negan beat them to death with her when you see when you, when you hear him whistling and you see him about to confront someone that he not only he hates that person you hate that person and then he'll hmm. just say lucille is thirsty and you just know <laughs> carnage is coming up. Jeffrey Dean Morgan makes me thirsty. Yeah, he makes me thirsty every time I see him. He yeah, is he's, just he's a buffet table full of snacks. Well, I don't know what it is about that man. Is it the beard? Is it the size? Is it the it's He's everything. beefy and beardy, but he looks good underneath the beard. He's not using his beard to hide bad bone structure. You know what it is? Like a like he's got a good jawline. He's, he's not got one an of those guys jawline. who's going to have a flabby jawline. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know who Jeffrey Dean Morgan is? He's big nasty in 20 years if big nasty takes the time to develop character. Hmm. That that's what I see. Okay. So, um my audio baby daddy. Your audio baby daddy. My audio baby daddy. How are you feeling? Well, little nasty is um okay. So this weekend, this past couple of days, those were my rest days. Okay. But unfortunately, Lil Nasty was craving like cheesecake and french fries and... Oh, wow. The kind of foods I try to avoid since I'm trying to get my beast mode body going on and I'm yeah. trying to keep from having a pack of hot links on my neck thanks to being knocked up by Big Nasty's voice. How does a voice knock you up? I don't know. But Lil Nasty got some cravings. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine, fine. I'm eating for two. You'll plyometric your way into absorbing all those calories. Maybe I'll be fine. Exactly. So. Okay, continue. No, that's um, Lucille, which I think is the only inanimate object sidekick we have on this episode. What, what do you feel about um, objects getting that much time or concentration? Do you see it as a true sidekick or do you see it more as a prop that... I will allow it as a sidekick. Okay. Why the hell not? All right. So what is next on my list? I'm going to go with Mouse from Devil in a Blue Dress. 
Have you seen the movie with Denzel Washington? It, I, I've only seen Jennifer the film. Beals. I never watched. I never read the book. I did both. Nice. So, um, Mouse is Easy Rollins' friend. Easy Rollins is the main character in Devil in a Blue Dress, and there's a whole series that revolves around him. And Mouse is his friend from Houston, and he's he's very short-tempered, very violent. And there's one scene where, oh God, who who is gonna cut him? I think it was Frank Green who was gonna um, cut Easy's ear. He was waiting for him in his house, and he was about to cut him, and then Mouse comes through. It's almost a Deus Ex Machina moment. Yeah. But earlier on, he'd written to him. He'd either written or telephoned. I'm a little bit fuzzy on that. But he was in a bind, and Mouse is like the only one he could turn to when he's in a bind. I mean, he's the guy you don't don't fuck with his money. It's like big warm. Fucking with my money is like fucking with my emotions. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> but at the same time, if he's on, if you're on his good side, he's got your back. <laughs> so his other friends, he couldn't rely on them. Like one of them is too busy getting drunk. The other one is too moralistic to really help him out. Mouse, on the other hand, he's willing to get his hands dirty. Yeah. And he can hold his liquor. I like him because he's very unapologetic about who he is. There's, um, in the first book, Easy Rollins has to, um, he's coping with racism in post-war America. And even in California, he'd moved from Houston to California because of the job opportunities. And even in California, you still had de facto segregation. It wasn't a law that says that you separate whites from minorities. It was, it was on the institutional level. So it was just as bad. You know, you had, um, housing restrictions, like, you couldn't sell or rent to particular races. You had institutions that had quotas of how many minorities they were going to allow into particular universities. And you still kind of, on the down low, have banks not giving you loans or giving you the good kind of loans if you don't fit their racial preferences. So he's still battling segregation and he's still battling racism. And Mouse accuses him of acting white, even though really he is... He doesn't wish he were white. He doesn't identify as white. He doesn't try to be white, as it were, but he code switches, per se. Like, he feels like he can be himself the way he speaks, the way he acts around um, other black people, but then he'll put on a different facade when he has to interact with white people. He talks about speaking so-called standard English, but that's a common phenomenon anyway, even today, because mainstream white society doesn't really respect African-American vernacular. It's kind of like one of those things, it's like, oh, well, we'll steal particular aspects of your culture, but we don't really like you. <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> I had a particular passage. Which one did I want to look at? Oh, and I forgot to mention, he and Mouse were also war buddies, but Mouse is just like, fuck it, I'm going to peace out. There's a flashback moment. There's a battle that they were in, and then Mouse is like, ain't no reason to die in no white man's war. So he, he fucking ditches. Is that about Vietnam? This is World War II. Oh, Okay. Yeah, this is post-war. And he's like, you know what? White people are going to hate me anyway. So he dresses flashy. He doesn't bother with so-called standard English. He's very unapologetic as far as his speech. So here's a little passage from here. Oh, yeah. He got the knife out of Frank's hand. And so here it is. Frank did as he was told. And there was Mouse, beautiful as he could be. His smile glittered. Some of the teeth were rimmed with gold and some were capped. One tooth had a gold rim with a blue jewel in it. He wore a plaid zoot suit 
With Broadway suspenders down the front of his shirt, he had spats on over his patent leather shoes and the biggest pistol I had ever seen held loosely in his left hand. I love that writing. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Walter Mosley can write the hell out of a book. But he ends up being quite the help to Easy in helping him solve the case that was in um, in the first book. And he, and he reappears in um, subsequent books in the series. But again, I really like him for... Um, I mean, he's... He's definitely dangerous. You don't want to get on his bad side. Yeah. Because you will be sorry. But I love the fact that he's he's brash, he's unapologetic, and he's very true to who he is. Even if you don't like the way he goes about things, you have to respect his integrity. And that was Mouse. You did the first literary and, well, the first literary sidekick that's also represented in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. A very in-depth sidekick. Very, very much cool. so. Who do I have left? Although loophole. Loophole. Miss Fisher's murder mysteries were based on the book, and I did read the first book, Cocaine Blues. Cocaine Blues? Yeah. Although um, in the book, um, Dr. Elizabeth Mack was um, older. I think she was closer to her 50s in the book series. Gotcha. They aged her down a little bit in um, in the TV show. Okay. I, I went both literary and and television with that one yes you did and here um i'm gonna go completely fan fiction television <laughs> and say that my sidekick is spike from buffy the vampire slayer she's all about that buffy i just love those characters i will just live on forever and joss whedon is using those characters to help populate the avengers multiverse so i love it um I'm feeling a complete blank from your side of the studio. You're not familiar with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, are you? I never watched the TV show. Okay. I told you that before. All right. She's conveniently pretending to forget in order to put me on the spot and create tension for our episode. She just wants to dunk on me. I just can't believe you don't know who Spike is. So let me just, okay. Okay, go with it. 1800s British poet gets turned into a vampire, spends the next 200 years in love with a woman who's too crazy to love him back, traveling the world and killing vampire slayers until he gets to Sunnydale, California, which is the valley, and he meets Buffy. But he is a character who, because he's an immortal and because he's crazy, death, sex, love, and violence all swirl around into one big pot, and he doesn't know one from the other. So he can torture you and love you at the same time, drink your blood, kill you, but then write you a poem the next day. He's a very complicated character, but he's a great sidekick to Buffy. And how does he function as a great sidekick? Um, he actually gives her tools to defeat some of the big bads. In fact, if you look back at Buffy's eight-year history, she wouldn't have defeated a lot of those big bads if not for Spike helping her out. And another thing, because he's British and he's from the 1800s, he was actually schooled at Eton in Oxford. So there's a few times where he comes across her high school paperwork and he's just like, you're so stupid. How are you the vampire slayer? <laughs> and um, I, someone actually brought it up on Twitter about the true loves in Buffy's life. And I said, do you believe Spike is one of them? Because I think he is a true candidate. It was still up in the air if it's Angel or Spike or somebody else, but it would be unwise to say that Spike did not play an integral part in Buffy's life and her progression as a vampire slayer. Got it. 
I just love him. Just he's 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 up there with one of my favorite vampires of all time. And I think it's just because he's so he's just a romantic. Like he kills people, but there have been situations where if he's such a romantic, <laughs> he kills people. <laughs> but there's been situations. He's like a Dexter. But if okay. the person on that operating table was like, I'm going to come clean with you, Spike. I'm in love with this girl. And I haven't told her. Can I really leave this world without telling her? He would cut the guy out of the plastic and be like, go get her, dude. <laughs> it's fine. Wow. You know what's funny? Okay. I look down on the kind of bitches who marry serial killers from behind bars. I do. I'm like, oh my God, you're just trying to glom onto the notoriety or... Who hurt you? What's wrong with you that you're going for a fucking serial killer? But Michael C. Hall is one sexy motherfucker, especially when he's in Dexter mode. Oh, yeah. And I'm watching Dexter. I'm like, oh, my God, I would be one of those bitches. And I want conjugal visits. I would marry the shit out of Dexter. I love how his true love was the one that was like, do what you got to do. And offered her neck up. And that's when he just knew that they were meant to be together forever. Except for when they fucked up the end of the last season. <laughs> okay, my next sidekick is another literary one. Ooh. I'm going to try and do it without spoilers. Okay. And I don't think she would consider herself a sidekick. I finished reading Girl Waits with Gun. It was a fictionalized account of the cop sisters and the trials they had to face against... Um, Henry Kaufman, who was, oh, he was a textile mill owner, and his automobile had collided with their horse carriage, and he wouldn't pay up the damages. Constance Cop is the main character, and she was described as a substantial woman. She went over to the factory, and she's like, I've sent you quite a few invoices, and you've never paid up. He'd intimated that something bad would happen to her younger sister, Florette. Yikes. So she picked him up. She was she towered over him. She picked him up and threw him against the wall and I think cracked the plaster. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And anyway, they've been getting threat a lot of threatening letters from Henry and his cronies. And so she kind of seeks out um, the assistance of, of the town sheriff. And he arms them with pistols or revolvers. I always get the two mixed up. I'm not a gun geek. I know please gun geeks don't be assholes about correcting me. <laughs> Correct me if you must, but don't be dicks about it. But anyway, her sister Norma, I think, is kind of, um, I think she's kind of a sidekick of sorts. Yeah. And it's funny that um, she's weirdly old-fashioned. Like, she doesn't like automobiles. She doesn't think a life with modern conveniences and technology is very good for you. She thinks it makes you lazy and soft and stupid and dull. Like, dull and lazy, as I think her descriptors. I have no subject for agreement in that sentence, I'm sure. Whatever. It's been a long weekend. <laughs> but at the same time, there's some things about her that, that are surprisingly modern. Like, she'll wear split skirts. You know, like the, um, I guess it'd be like culottes or um, palazzo pants. Okay. So she'll wear stuff like that so she can ride a horse astride. And skirts themselves aren't very functional for her. And she cuts her hair short because it's practical. And she's kind of a happy butch spinster. So in other ways, she's a little more modern and she wants Constance to kind of keep out of it as far as um, the case goes. She's like, you know what? We were happy here out in the country, but then you had to keep bothering Kaufman, blah, blah, blah. But she's ready to strap up with a gun if need be. And she's also a crack shot with that gun on her first try with the revolver. Yeah. I mean, they had a, a rifle that they kept on the premises in order to keep out 
like predators and whatnot. So I'm pretty sure she had a lot of practice with that rifle. And toward the end, I don't want to do spoilers, but she does give Constance a good suggestion as far as her trying to find a way out of a situation that she doesn't find satisfactory. Yeah. So she's kind of lighting a fire under her for that. And I think as the Cop Sisters series goes on, I'm pretty sure Norma will prove to be a good sidekick and less reluctant about it. Yeah. And also um, their sister, Florette, she's this um, kind of this melodramatic teenage stereotype. <laughs> she comes off as dizzy and silly and frivolous, but at the same time, she's got this wild imagination and... You have to be smart to be creative. So she has kind of a creative intelligence. And so she is also able to offer up some suggestions as to why certain things are what they are or or finding creative solutions to particular problems. Yeah. So in her own way, even when she acts like a spoiled brat, she also can still prove to be a decent sidekick. So I'm pretty eager to see where her character is taken as well in the subsequent books in the series. Very nice. You've come up with... Um... An equal amount of female and male sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. I came up with mostly male and then an inanimate object. With a lady name. <laughs> with a lady name, yeah. New seal. Let's allow it. I'll allow it. It passed the test. <laughs> it went by with a 70%. There we go. Do you have anyone else on your list? I don't know if she's quite a sidekick or if they're sidekicks to each other, but I just want an excuse to talk about Patsy Stone. From AppFab. Oh my god, she's definitely a, a sidekick. Mm-hmm. I love her. She is so horrible. I love her. I know. And I don't think it's actually a dislike of the daughter. I think... Eddie, babe! <laughs> I think her and Eddie are just so attached to each other, and they don't want it to ever end. Saf is the interloper. Yeah. They are forever life partners. Oh yeah. They don't wise up. They don't change. Mm-mm. I love it. You okay? <clears throat> Yeah, I just had a brain fart. Oh. All right, I think we had a pretty good list of sidekicks. It was a great sidekick episode. Yeah. Okay, again, if you like our show, make sure to subscribe, download. If you're on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, don't forget to hit five stars and also leave a short review. Just a simple thanks for the laughs. Thanks for being sexy, bitches. Okay, no, don't say bitches because they might censor you out and then we don't get the review. And we will let you know when the Patreon page is up and running. And I do need to get going on the um, Facebook group. I'm putting the Procrastination and Procrastination Planet, unfortunately. Oh, no. But speaking of Facebook, hit us up on social media. Twitter. Twitter at Procrast Planet, Instagram at Procrastination Planet Podcast, and then Facebook, look for us. Just search for Procrastination Planet for both our group and our page. Yes. Let us know what you think of our episodes. Engage with us. We would like to have a community going. I think that's part of the fun. And yeah, I think... I think that's it. Did you want to add anything or? No, I just, I've seen an uptick in people following us on Twitter. Yay! And that makes me happy, especially when you give us shout outs. So along with, yes, uh, Apple Podcasts um, and Stitcher, if you find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, we'd be happy to see you there and we'll chat with you when you get there. Yeah. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this has been Procrastination Planet. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Carly Knight, and my partner in crime, Sabrina Monet. Our logo was designed by C. Trojan of C. Trojan Art. For more of his work, go to ctrojanart.com. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Gemendo Licensing. Visit us at procrastinationplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter at ProcrastPlanet. Follow us on Instagram at ProcrastinationPlanetPodcast. If you like us, tell your friends and spread the word. If you hate us, lie and tell your friends how much you like us anyway. We could use the publicity.